It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our all-new, brand-new blog. You can find the link for that in the description on the link tree. This week's episode, The New World Order. My topic, my topic. Sounds like the cryptid has strong opinions about it. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot to put up a poll for this week's... Stupid dog... I forgot to put up a poll for this week's episode, or so unfortunately I forgot that, so the, the uh, Patreon people did not get to vote on it, but normally we vote on the topic on Patreon. We have three subscription levels. We have the, uh, the bottom tier gets you early access and after hours. The middle tier gets you bonus episodes, and the top tier gets you the privilege of voting on upcoming topics. 60 bonus episodes. I looked. Well, that's bonus content in general. They're they're different items. I know. Bonus items. Still, that's a lot of streaming. That's a lot of time in the car if you're commuting. Yeah, it's it's a fair bit. We're building it up there. And this week, I did cursed lottery winners for the bonus episode. Yeah, for the bonus episode, that was a fun one. Uh, kind of depressing too, but <laughs> you know, it was kind of fun to look into at the same time. But all right, you let's. Mentioned, you mentioned the blog. Yes, the blog. Oh, yeah. How can they find the blog, Agent Ether? It's allthingsstrangepodcast.blogspot.com. And I have up like six articles. And they're mostly just uh, stories like strange news, cryptid sightings. I have one on Project Breakthrough Listen. So check it out. Yeah, that's it's good stuff. It's not going to be the exact same stuff we cover on the show. It's just basically Agent Ether likes to write about stuff, and that's you know her pet project. It is. That's true. It's mine. Yeah. My blog. So I'll have to put a link on the link tree for that <gasps> when you I get a chance. Haven't done that yet. Hey, I've been busy. For shame. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's get to the New World Order. If you're unfamiliar, which you know would be surprising if you're listening to this show, but just in case anybody who's unfamiliar, in a nutshell. The New World Order is the conspiracy that a secret group of elite people, or often called like a cabal or something like that, are planning to enact a totalitarian one-world government. In other words, they want to take over. Oh, wait, wait. They, in other words, they want to take over the world. Oh, that was that was a horrible brain uh, brain imitation. But anyways, <laughs> oh, Brad, what we're we gonna do tomorrow night? You know. Pinky in the brain. Yeah, can you do okay. a pinky? All right, I got it now. No, no, yeah. I'm not even gonna try. Me neither. Apparently, nobody, nobody outside of the United States who is not our age is going to know what you were talking about. Oh, I'm sure people saw that show outside of the states. I maybe it's a cartoon. Cartoon where there's a, part of the cartoon is a couple of mice that try to take over the world every single day. One's really smart, like genius. Yeah, and one's. You know, his comedic sidekick. Kind of like... Um, Your pinky, pinky in the brain, brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a uh, mice and men duo there, you know? Yeah. That's a th- I think that's what they're imitating in a way. 
But I forget what Pinky sounded like. Didn't it? It wasn't like, oh, Brian, what are we going to do tonight? Like, yeah, something kind of like, like that. The accent or something. Yeah. The same thing we do every night. Try same, and take over the world. The same thing we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> kind of. I'd have to work on it to to get a passable one. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. Oh, well, I mean, I that was, was kid, on what? You know? The Animaniacs? Yeah, it was part of the Animaniacs yeah. show. Yeah. It was a good show. And didn't they, they ended up getting their own show, didn't they? Yeah. That? yeah. yeah. I didn't watch that. Only the Animaniacs. The, anyway, back to the New World Order was um, uh, the the conspiracy is that a group of people are trying to take over the world. Some people think that this will also include enslaving and reducing the population. This it, this conspiracy goes in so many different directions. It does. It's, it really does. It's impossible to cover it in one episode, so we're just going to kind of touch on it. Um, I'm not going to talk about, you know, the... Um, Anything like the uh, the camps that they have, the uh, FEMA camps, or you know any of that kind of stuff, uh, it goes over quite a lot of material. This thing, so I'm just going to talk about a couple of presidents and some stuff like that. What what do you guys want to do? You want me to start off with some some stuff like that, a little bit of history kind of stuff? Sure, I have yeah, a sure. series of historical conspiracies, and then I talk more my materials about kind of a modern view of the New World Order, because it's changed over time. But yeah. I think that it would be appropriate if you went first, kind of gave us some historical background, and then we could go into that. Okay. Well, the term New World Order has been in use for a long time, um, at least since, you know, the 1910s, possibly even earlier. And it's, like Ether said, its usage has changed over time, at least the context, but it's usually referring to, you know, people coming together and not fighting each other anymore. If you look it up online, it'll say the earliest known usage is Woodrow Wilson. And I'm not sure if that's true, but that's the earliest usage I could find. But interestingly, yeah. I didn't find any quotes of Wilson himself saying anything about a new world order. His policies were often referred to as the new world order. So that's kind of an interesting yeah. distinction there. Well, yeah, then, I saw a couple different, like, uh, like similar statements that he made, but not necessarily a new world order. You know, I, I've seen a lot of like uh, a lot of these politicians, their speeches and stuff that a lot of people will uh, reference uh, as, as uh, you know, for the new world order. And a lot, I think a lot of them aren't necessarily like you know involved like in a conspiracy. They're just trying. They're trying. They're using the term uh, to describe the world going forward and where they would like to see it go. You know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And it's also tie, it ties into so many different things. It ties into ideas that go back a really, really long time. So we don't really have time to go into all of the minutia because we would miss out on a lot of really cool stuff. So I didn't want to take notes on all of that. But it's a very ill-defined conspiracy. There's like, there's no through line. There's no solid history. I can't trace, you know, um, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. It's kind of like a loose bunch of things that are sort of lumped together. I think you have influential figures throughout history that are big names with specific parts of each conspiracy theory. Right. So... There, there are a lot of similarities between the different versions, 
For example, the first version that I'm going to talk about is uh, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points. Now, this was a statement, according to Wikipedia, I'm just going to, this quote summarizes it pretty nicely. It was a statement of principles for peace that was to be used for peace negotiations in order to end World War I. The principles were outlined in January 8th, 1918, speech on war aims and peace terms to the United States Congress by President Woodrow Wilson. And the ideas in the 14 points sort of rolled into the League of Nations which was the predecessor to the United Nations. It was the first worldwide intergovernmental organization whose principal mission was to maintain world peace. And it was founded on the 10th of January, 1920, by the, peace, by the Paris Peace Conference that ended the First World War. The main organization ceased operation on the 20th of April, 1946, but many of its components were relocated to the into the new United Nations. And without, this is what I mean, like the, the League of Nations, that could be a whole set of episodes just on itself. You know, how the history that led up to that, you know, how it was formed, the ideas, the philosophies behind it. Like it, this stuff just takes on so many different topics, right? And it's all relevant, believe it or not. But I don't want to go too far into the league itself, but um, what led up to it. So the 14 points, uh, also known as um, the 14 points and the New World Order is referred to sometimes, and it's actually referred to that on some government websites. What was it? The Library of Congress, I think. Uh, there's a couple of points in here that tie directly into the idea of a new, new world order. For example, point three talks about free trade. And point four talks about arms control. And the arms control point four says, adequate guarantees given and taken that national armaments will be reduced to the lowest point consistent with domestic safety. And one of the key ideas behind the New World Order that a lot of people think anyways is part of the conspiracy is you have to disarm the population. You can't enslave the population if they all got a bunch of weapons. So you got to take those weapons away. So this is sort of adjacent to that. I've noticed historically that anytime there's a war or a recession, including COVID, um, that it's almost like a new theory pops up related to the new world order and government policy as they try and move forward from the war, from the recession, from major political events. Right. And one of one of the through lines I've seen through all of these, all of the things I looked into that um, are, you know, considered to be part of the NWO or maybe something in that realm, a lot of times they will, like a politician will appeal to the youth. They'll say it's the youth's responsibility to move forward and get this stuff done. That's very common. And there's a couple of other things too that are very common, like, for example, you know, um, saying we need to be more peaceful. A lot of people have died. We need to all band together, like this sort of thing. It's very common. And it usually goes along with some sort of uh, loss of personal freedoms. Like, for example, after the 9 11 attacks, um, you know, people, that's, it was the same ideas. It was very similar to a lot of the New World Order speeches I went through, saying, like, yeah, this was horrible. We all got to band together. And, you know, we got to take away some of your personal rights, but it's for your own good. We'll be better off for it, you know? 
Yeah, and like they, the Patriot Act. Right? Yeah, at the time they were kind of like, okay, this is, they didn't say it was going to be temporary, but they kind of hinted at it and like, this is what we need to do for now, you know? And then Obama came in and said, yeah, we're going to get rid of all this nonsense. And of course it only got worse from there. But yeah. I don't want to. Well, once you, once you, you know, that old saying, once you give up <clears throat> rights, the good luck getting them back. Like, for example, income tax. You know, uh-huh. income tax used to not be a thing in this country. And then when it was first implemented, it was, you know, described as being a temporary thing. We're just doing this because of wartime, you know? Yeah. But of course, you know, it never, you know, they just made it, you know, permanent. Oh, here it is. I found out my notes. So the, the page on the, um, Library of Congress that talks about the 14 points is called Peace and a New World Order. So this is a term that's been in use for a long time, and it refers to a lot of different stuff. So that's just a little bit of background information. So do you, what do you guys want to jump in here? Maybe Aging Ether talking about some historical conspiracies, maybe? Well, we're talking about the different you know, threads throughout time. And one of the earliest references I found was in the 19th century, there was a big name associated with the NWO, and that was John Nelson Darby. And his ideas were related to end times, to the coming apocalypse, revelations, prophecies in the Bible, and this idea that the Antichrist was coming And the New World Order was part of Satan's plan so that the the rapture would never happen. Hmm. Okay. So that's one of the earliest references to the New World Order in in terms of a conspiracy that I could find. But it, it also exists today. I looked online and there are entire websites dedicated to the idea of the New World Order specifically being a government idea, a, a global idea that is evil, essentially, that has some evil behind it. Right. Not just that they want to stop people from killing each other, but they want to do nefarious things. Nefarious things. Uh, I also saw a lot of references to the Freemasons. Yes. So a lot of conspiracies, conspiracists, conspiracists, consp- help me out here. What do you, what word do you try? Cons- people who conspirators? conspire. Thank you. Cons- conspirators. <laughs> Those people. Browids. <laughs> so the Freemasons <laughs> are kind of on the opposite spectrum of, you know, uh, religious organizations. They're a secular organization, but apparently they have this hidden political agenda specifically to create a world government. Now, the problem I have with that is that. Not all members agree what a utopian society should look like. You have a lot of members from different political backgrounds coming together. So the question is, are they really that different in their philosophies and ideologies, or are they just putting on this front to the world while in the background they're running this charade, you know, to kind of... Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the the stonecutters, that's a whole other can of worms too. I mean, it's definitely oh, relevant. Yeah. We I feel you like have we a should, channel just devoted to that. Yeah, I feel like we should do a whole separate episode just on them. But as as far as like them being non-religious, as far as I'm aware, they do use a lot of religious symbology and they have religious rites or rites that seem religious, but maybe that's a topic for another episode. So it's it seems like a weird 
It's like a, it's like a secret society, but they're an open, uh, you know, it's like an open secret society. But they yeah. have had quite an impact on our nation. For example, if you go look at the um, the street view of uh, Washington D.C., there's a pentagram <laughs> in Washington D.C., and that's apparently the they put it there uh, when they oh, were designing the city. There was tons of symbology, like just in the construction of that city in itself, the city grids, the the buildings also. Yes. I mean, there, there, was, there was one good video I watched on uh, YouTube, and it's a long damn video, and uh, some of the information is a little bit dry, so you have to have patience and, and actually be interested in it because you, you could get, you know, uninterested pretty fast. But it's called Secrets in Plain Sight, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say it's something like a three and a half hour or four and a half hour vi- video, something like that. But they, the, the dude that did it, did a, his due diligence in, in the, uh, you know, the information that he just, you know, presents. And, and he did a lot of damn research. That's for damn sure. I mean, there's so much that he goes over. And it's like, I remember the first time I watched it, like, I had to watch it a couple times, you know, and then had to find a bunch of free time to watch it at the same time. But like, there's just, there's so much that went over my head. I was just like, wait, what? the hell does that mean you know like they're like he talks about like the like the measurements in certain buildings and like references to you know uh um, sacred geometry and stuff like that and and it's it's quite interesting quite interesting i don't know it's it's it would take yeah i mean it's you'd have to watch the video you know yeah we can't talk about it right now it just take way too long yeah for sure but for me the point is is that this is a real society that has had a very powerful influence on american politics since the very beginning and the proof is out there. It's there is proof that they're there and that they are very powerful and they have influence. There's dude. There's a they have a center just down the street from where we live. I think it's like probably a five to ten minute drive away. I have a former classmate who's a member of the Freemasons. Oh, really? I do. He posts some stuff on online occasionally. Yeah, and they're well, probably getting too far afield. But I mean, there's tale told. That people who break away and spill the secrets uh, disappear mysteriously all the time. I'll warn him. Yeah. What the heck is going on? Somebody, somebody surprised me. Oh, somebody is. Yeah, there you go. Here's the remote. The dogs are turning on the TV. Yeah, somebody's stepping on our remotes. When when I was younger, I actually like heavily considered becoming a Freemason Mason because I didn't understand. It was before I got into you know like interested into like conspiracies and stuff like that. I was young and naive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I had a friend that I worked with uh, that was a Freemason, and I was talking to him about it, and he was talking about all the charitable stuff that they do, and, you know, it's a brotherhood, this and that, you know? I was like, oh, I, I mean, that all sounds pretty good, actually, you know? And yeah. he's talking about, like, the connections that you can have, you know, that can actually help your career, depending on what career you're in and stuff, and every like, there's, a, you know, all, all walks of life, you know? And I remember him saying, too, like, you had to be religious, you know, to actually join. You couldn't be, like, an atheist, you know? Yeah, they require like, oh, the, They don't require a specific religion, but they require that you yeah. believe in God. And from what I understand, also, the reason why that requirement is, has been made is because during, like, the initiation process, you actually have to denounce your religion. Huh. Weird. From what I so. Okay. All right. Weird. We we got to so, wait. Wait. Hold on. Well, let's let's save this for the episode because this is like really okay. good stuff. A like, Freemasons episode. Yeah, we got to do an episode on the Freemasons. Okay, this you is, put it for a vote. This is yeah, stuff. yeah. This is oh, oh yeah, yeah. This one. This is going to be a good topic. So I'm going to put the vote and be like, okay, Freemasons, choice two, Freemasons. <laughs> <laughs> we could do Illuminati. You haven't done Illuminati yet. Nope. So we haven't so done the Illuminati either. Could put yeah. the vote between those two because you know another. New World Order sort of thread would, of course, be the Illuminati involvement 
any okay. new world oh, yeah. order. I haven't. I did not talk about that one. Would you like to tell us about it, Aging Ether? Well, there's. I didn't find a lot. It's yeah. a secret. Yeah, it's a secret society, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know, there's that speculation they're responsible for organizations like specific fraternities, Bohemian Grove. And, you know, creating think tanks for the upper elite. Right, Skull and Bones, exactly. Um, And, of course, behind that is this hidden agenda is the basic idea. Right. Yeah, and one of the things that is really kind of uh, interesting is there has been countless historical figures, politicians, very influential people that have been through these these, uh, groups. You know, they've been members of, of these societies. And there's those countless historical figures, definitely in the United States, you know, politicians and, and, and stuff that were all Freemasons. And right. a lot of the people, like, like for example, like we were talking about Washington, D.C., that, that initial, like, uh, the initial city that was designed was designed by a Freemason. And there's a lot of symbol, symbol symbolism, uh, not rawids, rawids. Well, I think that's where some of this conspiracy comes from, is there's always a grain of truth. And the truth is that high political figures, influential figures, people who are wealthy, have been members of elite groups. And these elite groups do have some control over various things, especially if they're politicians. Then they're going to control legislation. So is there a hidden agenda or is there just an agenda? Like. Right. That's the question. Yeah. Well, well I, th- I think from the beginning of time, the beginning of civilization, there has always been people who have been in power that want all the power. I mean, it's it's not that's not like a, a crazy notion, you know what I mean? And and people at the top, whether it be in business or in, in you know, government and stuff, they they always conspire, you know. I I always hate this term conspiracy theory, like like the way it's been like 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 manipulated throughout the the years and stuff you know like like nowadays we've been you know basically when, when you hear the term conspiracy theory you think tinfoil hat we've talked about this before on the you know on the podcast but it's been it's been you know manipulated you know and, and there are conspiracies people do conspire you know at the top of whatever you know you know you're talking about and, and people do try to uh fix the system rig the system even in sports and stuff right like i mean it's oh it's, yeah it's it, when people talk about like, oh, there's not this big, you know, group of people at the top that are trying to gain control or become more wealthy or, you know, of course there is. What are you talking about? You know, I'm not necessarily saying this is the Illuminati or something. That might not be true, but I, definitely the Freemasons are, are involved in something like that, I, I believe at least. Yeah, and if you look at, just for example, somebody I'll be talking about in a little bit, in a little bit um, George H.W. Bush his father was a oh, yeah. very powerful individual. And guess what? Yeah. He, there's a lot of Bushes in government. You know, it's not just the son and the father and the grandfather. There, yeah. you know, there was, um, what was it? Uh, Jeb Bush was the uh, governor of, um, was it, what was it, Texas? Florida. Florida. That's right. Yeah. So there's, you know, if I bother to look up the family tree, I'm sure there's a lot of people in very powerful positions. That doesn't happen by accident, that does not happen in a vacuum. So, uh-huh. the, you know, obviously these are very influential people who seek out power. So the next uh, kind of historical conspiracy related to the New World Order I wanted to talk about isn't actually a conspiracy. It's related to the author H.G. Wells. He oh, yeah. wrote <laughs> some nonfiction books, including The Open Conspiracy and The New World Order. Yeah, he has a book titled The like New World a Order. a book titled The New World Order, which both proposed a way to achieve world peace and establish a utopia by a uniform 
or unified world government, specifically to protect human rights. Yeah. And anybody unfamiliar with H.G. Wells, you'll be familiar with his work. um, What is it? The uh, War of the Worlds? Yeah, War of the Worlds. That's it. The the people who come from Mars. So, yeah. And so he had a list, a declaration of the rights of man. And I think it was 14 points. And they included things like everyone has the right to food, to education, to a job, uh, legal protection. Everyone should be able to have freedom of movement, to go where they want, to travel, and to not be tortured. That was on there. <laughs> Everyone has the right to not be tortured. <laughs> yeah, that I'm, seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. And he argues that this will be a, a gradual process, <clears throat> natural progress of science. Like it's just going to naturally and slowly happen over time. Hmm. Well, that's uh, very optimistic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on his part. <laughs> but, uh, you know, well, what's his timeline there? Did he say? No, no, there was. Well, I didn't read the books. Oh, I see. Okay. I just looked around in regards to the New World Order, and, you know, this is what I found. But I, I didn't read the books. It'd be an interesting read. Yeah, for sure. Well, or not. Or not. <laughs> or not. It depends. We also have an idea of a new age the dawning of Aquarius. This was proposed oh. by Alice Bailey, who thought that when the Allies won World War II, they were going to establish a religious and political new world order. And the federal world government would be guided by these masters of ancient wisdom that were operating with some sort of spiritual hierarchy in order to prepare for Christ's return, hmm. the Jesus. second coming. <laughs> Uh, and according to them, there was some telepathic communication between like these very few occult scientists. And there's some ideas in there like alternative medicine and astrology. And it kind of all gets mixed up because you do have new age fundamentalism that that is not associated with the new world order. And so over time, you know, the two have kind of become synonymous, except for that telepathy part. I don't know about that. It's like hmm. the the men who stare at goats. Uh, yeah, just like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Project Stargate. We haven't done an episode on that yet either. Oh uh, yeah, remote viewing and stuff like that. It's all pretty interesting. It's it's kind of it's really interesting that the government actually put a fair amount of money into that kind of research for a very long period of time as well. It's not it was not just a one off. For, yeah. you know, I've, I'd have to look up the exact dates, but it was, you know, for years that they funded that research. And then since the 1970s, there's been this ideal that ETs, extraterrestrials, or aliens from other habitable planets or parallel dimensions or intraterrestrials like hollow Earth reptilians <coughs> are going to somehow be involved in a new world order that humanity is actually working with one of these factions, almost like an X-Files style, to, to establish a new world order. And in some circles, they think that these aliens are shape-shifting so they can secretly infiltrate government and society and religion, impersonate people, and 
collaborate among themselves and kind of change the dynamics of our society and our world. And the collab- in exchange for our collaboration, we're actually getting UFO technology. Hmm. Interesting. Oh boy. Have you heard that? Nope, nope. I had not heard that one before. That's I've a good a one. About that. Yeah. There's actually some. Uh, there's some videos I've seen. Like uh, when when uh, Barack Obama was was uh, president, uh, there was one of his like uh, um, Secret Service guards that there was a video uh, during one of his speeches. I don't remember when or what speech, but I remember seeing the video and like I think it was more so the kind of thing where like you know light refraction or something was influencing the camera where it made this guy's face look weird, but the guy's face and head did look a little weird. And like, it was one of those things where they, they basically said that like this guy was like uh, in the process of shifting his face or trying to hold on to whatever form I that think he had I've shifted seen into. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, but there's the video a bunch, is a little iffy though. There's a bunch of lizard people videos online. If that's what you're, yeah. If that's what you're yeah. talking about. It was They're like, reptilians, it was like a, not lizard people. Don't be alienist. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. <laughs> that's inconsiderate that's right, they're subterranean yeah the uh the best movie about that sort of thing is easily they live with none other than oh yeah roddy roddy piper <laughs> oh yeah it's a classic Probably i'm here to chew bubble ever, gum ever. and kick ass and i'm all out of gum <laughs> <laughs> yep classic yeah it's a good one all right, you also have this idea of gradualism, that things are actually being implemented incrementally and slowly. So first you get, like you said, the League of Nations. You have the establishment of the Federal Reserve, the World Health Organization, the European Union, even the Union of the South American Nations. And the Council on Foreign Relations here and in Mexico and Canada, their counterparts have been talking about a joint currency. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but people who believe in gradualism say the borders are becoming more fluid. We're uniting kind of over here in North America and South America into one entity in preparation for a global unification, but it's happening very slowly. Yeah, that I you know that's the one I believe the most because if you look at everything that's gone on in the his just the twentieth century, you know, and they start with the Federal Reserve, which starts off pretty mild, and then we get to nowadays where you know the the banks have total control of the financial system, you know, from top to bottom. So it's it's kind of scary. Just you know, they started off as just you know these banks that didn't really have much control or power. And now they have total power, you know, like don't get me started on the overnight bailouts that they've been doing. Like it's crazy though. That's a whole other topic, Mm -hmm. I guess. And then I have one more. All right. And that's the idea of an American militia movement. This is a little more violent. There's a claim that there's like a secret team. We talk about maybe the black helicopters, right? We've mentioned them on the show before, men in black. There's this idea that we're going to be controlled via martial law. So, for example, September 11th is seen by some people as being kind of a false flag, not a real terrorist attack, but maybe there will be a worse terrorist attack, so it'll trigger a police state. Maybe that was a test, Mm -hmm. a test to see how the American public would react, how much control and rights could be taken away. 
So if there was a worse attack and it was to trigger the police state, we could suspend the Constitution, impose martial law, take away people's right to bear arms, and it would just be, you know, this this new world order in the United States, at least, where the government would have complete control of the population. Well, and they say, speaking of, you just reminded me of, um, do you remember TWA Flight TWA Flight 800? We did an episode on that. Not, Not a, missile. a missile. Yeah, that one. Some people say that was sort of a dress rehearsal for 9-11. And they, they were able to shoot down a passenger airplane with a missile in broad daylight in front of many, many witnesses. And they got away with it. You know, so they just became more brazen after that. And who knows what they'll get away with next. Maybe unleashing, you know, some sort of bioweapon to cause a global pandemic. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I have kind of for historical threads, if we're looking Mm -hmm. at the New World Order, like kind of ideas in the past. And then later on, I want to talk about more present ideas and future ideas. Okay. I guess I'll, I'll cut in here and talk. I'll do... A little bit about presidential stuff, and then maybe we'll see what uh, ETA, if he yeah, has anything. Yeah, ETA, then... do you have something to add to this awesome conversation? I do. A couple little things here. Um, uh, some of the here. things I wanted to talk about is like like uh, quotes from historical individuals that reference you know the, the New World Order. So uh, the first one I'll start out uh, here, uh, it's uh, James Paul Warburg. And if you're familiar, we were just talking about the, the Federal Reserve Act. He's yep. uh, the son of, of Paul Warburg. And um, he is the, Paul Warburg is the person that wrote the, the Federal Reserve Act, you know, so very influential individual. So, so uh, he has been quoted as saying, all right, so I'll just read the quote straight up here. Uh, we shall have world government, whether or not we like it. The only question is whether world government will be achieved by conquest or consent. Hmm. And I think that's a it's a pretty solid, like like straightforward statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and like that that's when I read that the first time, I was like, oh damn! Like that's a he, he's serious about what he just said. You know what I mean? And these people, like I said, were extremely influential and and, and wielded lots of power. You know. So I mean that that's that's one of those quotes you read and, and you really have to kind of like take a moment to kind of like you know download it and be like well shit well shit <laughs> <You know>? yeah <laughs> <laughs> so okay so the the next uh, quote I'll read is actually from Nelson Rockefeller oh um oh boy there here we go with the Rockefellers right so and, and I have another quote by a different politician but at any rate uh, so Nelson Rock, Rockefeller uh, was speaking at uh, Harvard University and uh, during this speech he said the United Nations um, he told the audience at the Harvard University has not been able nor can it be able to shape a new world order which so compellingly demand uh I think there's a word left out there. I must have mistyped that. Anyways, uh, the new world order that will answer economic, military, and political problems, he said, urgently requires, I believe, that the United States takes the leadership among all free peoples to make the underlying concepts and aspirations of national sovereignty truly meaningful through the federal approach. Let me just say that again. He said... All free peoples. Now, I, that to me would would mean the world. I suppose you could say. You it's know? one way of saying it. <clears throat> one way of saying yeah, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I mean, 
aren't, aren't all people free? You know, or well, he, I mean, not obviously not. He but could like, he could just be excluding places where you know, like let's say what we might call the third world, where they have lesser labor standards and they have essentially slave labor. He doesn't care about them. You know, we still uh, got to get our cheap sweaters and whatever made in you know El Salvador or wherever the heck they're making them. Pakistan, yeah, I think yeah, they make them. I don't know. We got to have our cheap labor. We can't <laughs> yeah. have capitalism without cheap labor here. All right. Right. Exactly. Got to make sure that that you know stays true and you know. So at any rate, uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about is actually uh, Larry P. McDonald. And um, he was a member of the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, he actually uh, uh, passed away in 1983. But at any rate, um, he's part of uh, Georgia's 7th uh, Congressional District. And uh, he has a very interesting quote that I wrote down here. So talking about the Rockefellers, okay. Um, he says, and I quote, the drive of the Rockefellers and their allies is to create a one world government combining super capitalism and communism under the same tent, all under their control. Do I mean conspiracy? Yes, I do. I am convinced there is such a plot, international evil in intent. And a uh, funny thing um, uh, he died in a plane crash. It so, sounds uh, like an know. accusation, though. That sounds like an accusation. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. anything that comes out of a politician's mouth, any politician, I just don't trust it. Yeah, but here's the thing. The Rockefellers are incredibly wealthy and incredibly powerful and incredibly influential. You, mm -hmm. you, better, you better, better believe they're bribing the crap out of everybody, all the politicians. Anyway. I mean, um, they're contributing to their lobby funds. You know, they're bribing the crap out what of they, all the politicians. What do they call them? The the big pack funds? Yeah, just, you know, legalized bribery. No, is what no you call they have it. a word for it, though. <laughs> the, pack, the, the pack 10? Pack 10. What? No. <laughs> pack 10, isn't You're silly. That's soccer, I think. No, it's you know, college sports or something? I know. I don't all, know. The all, the all the football fans out there are losing their shit right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The only sports I watch is uh, like... MMA, boxing, kickboxing, and yeah. jujitsu. You know, yeah. But it you know, is PAC. It's political action committees. So you no, but, donate to candidates through political action committees or PACs. But there have been cases where politicians come out against the grain, and then very quickly they lose power. I talked about yeah. who was it? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard recently on um, a strange news episode, strange bo bonus episode, news. I think. And she went against the party. She said, this stuff is corrupt, basically. And then they got rid of her. She's no longer in politics. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you agree with her politics, the point is, is that she went against the grain. And they don't like it when you do that. Bad I things think you're happen. Trying to, I think you're trying to bait me into saying something right now. <laughs> I'll just well, say tell, save, tell, save, Tulsi Gabbard damn, damn good looking woman save that for the after hours maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so uh, the next uh, you know and I don't, I don't know if uh, you kind of uh, I think uh, mentioned it a little bit and I don't want to I don't want to step on your toes or anything but I was going to talk about a couple of the quotes that uh, George Bush had said George H.W. Bush, um, Bush yeah go for it I actually, I actually have the I found the sound recordings I clipped them out and I went through and processed them because the sound was very, very noisy. So I spent some time processing it to make it easier to listen to. That what you were doing all day. Oh, okay. No, not all day, but it did take a little bit of time. But um, 
Well, I also have very good software for that, so it wasn't like that hard. But I have there's he, there's that speech that he did on September 11th, September 11th, 1990. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. In that particular (laughs) speech, I found two different sound clips of him talking about the New World Order. Do you have them? Are you going to play them for us? Yeah, I got them right here on my soundboard if you guys want me to fire them up. Yeah, do it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Right from the source. All right, here we go. A new partnership of nations has begun. And we stand today at a unique and extraordinary moment. The crisis in the Persian Gulf, as grave as it is, also offers a rare opportunity to move toward an historic period of cooperation. Out of these troubled times, our fifth objective, a new world order, can emerge, a new era, freer from the threat of terror, stronger in the pursuit of justice, and more secure in the quest for peace. An era in which the nations of the world, east and west, north and south, can prosper and live in harmony. A hundred generations have searched for this elusive path to peace, while a thousand wars raged across the span of human endeavor. And today that new world is struggling to be born. A world quite different from the one we've known. A world where the rule of law supplants the rule of the jungle, a world in which nations recognize the shared responsibility for freedom and justice, a world where the strong respect the rights of the weak. This is the vision that I shared with President Gorbachev in Helsinki. He and other leaders from Europe, the Gulf, and around the world understand that how we manage this crisis today could shape the future for generations to come. The test we face is great, and so are the stakes. This is the first assault on the new world that we see, the first test of our mettle. Had we not responded to this first provocation with clarity of purpose, if we do not continue to demonstrate our determination, it would be a signal to actual and potential despots around the world. America and the world must defend common vital interests, and we will. Yay, bravo. Wait, no. Well, Wait, there's, what? So there's a lot more. <laughs> what? There's, a, there's a lot more to the speech than just that, but I don't know if you guys were paying attention to what he was saying. But it sounds an awful lot like what we're talking about. It also sounds (laughs) like a lot of speeches that have been made since then. Right. They don't always... At different points in history, at different crises, uh, after 9-11, after the recession, after COVID, you kind of see these themes in the political speeches and the actual language being used, New World Order. Right. But if you're listening to what he was actually saying, it was like a little bit different when you pay attention. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't your typical speech, you know, at least I don't yeah. know. And if you listen to more of it, I cut, I cut, sir, I cut the excerpt down a lot because I didn't want to be playing a speech for 34 minutes or whatever. So I, I really narrowed down what I wanted to play, but 
that's a <clears throat> that's a pretty good idea of what that speech was about. And then at the end, yeah. he mentions the New World Order again at the very end of the speech. So I guess I might as well play that here once again. But again, listen to what he's saying. Like it's, I'm not saying that it's, you know, a conspiracy, but I'm saying it's kind of weird. So you have another clip too? Yeah. This is the other time that he specifically says new world order in the speech. I found two times. Is that the speech on uh, March 6th, uh, 1991, I believe? No, this is the same speech on, um, on September 11th. Yeah. So we'll do this one. If you have another quote, I didn't see the one in March. So we'll, we'll do this one first and then maybe you can tell us about that one. This is a shorter clip. In the final analysis, our ability to meet our responsibilities abroad depends upon political will and consensus at home. It's never easy in democracies where we govern govern only with the consent of the governed. And although free people in a free society are bound to have their differences, Americans traditionally come together in times of adversity and challenge. Once again, Americans have stepped forward to share a cheerful goodbye with their families before leaving for a strange and distant shore. At this very moment, they serve together, Arabs, Europeans, Asians, and Africans, in defense of principle and the dream of a new world order. And that's why they sweat and toil in the sand and the heat and the sun. And if they can come together under such adversity, if old adversaries like the Soviet Union and the United States can work in common cause, then surely we, who were so fortunate to be in this great chamber, Democrats, Republicans, liberals, conservatives, can come together to fulfill our responsibilities here. Thank you. Good night, and God bless the United States of America. Did you hear what he said? He said that they're toiling. In the sun. They're not toiling. And the sand. They're fighting a bloody-ass fucking war, getting bombed to shit, mm-hmm. killing civilians and kids who have bombs strapped at them. It, it, was, a, it was a nasty war. It was not a good war. Um, well, the, that one, actually, I think the first Iraq war was probably not as bad as the second one, but... His idea that they are toiling. He, he said it. He said they're working for to make the new world order. I mean, it says mm-hmm. right there in the speech. It's pretty crazy. It's like a like an open secret, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I kind of feel like in general in politics when they t- discuss the new world order, they're talking about something a little different. They're talking maybe. maybe. I feel like they're talking about just a future and future ideals, which is a little different than a behind-the-scenes conspiracy, especially a global conspiracy. You can say that any country at any one time wants to expand their boundaries. If you look at, uh, for example, the British Empire, they used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire. They were Mm -hmm. very excited Mm -hmm. about expanding their boundaries. And I mean, if you look uh, at the Soviet Union, same kind of thing. Well, yeah, but if you listen in the speech, he specifically says that he was working with Russia and that he wanted to come together with Which them. is crazy to me considering the political climate that exists today and how right. far we've come from 
that level of collaboration and peace and mutual understanding to where we are today, it's astounding oh, yeah. to me because things are so tense. Right. It's, yeah, I'm not saying that there's proof of anything there. I'm just saying that the way he words things in that speech is kind of interesting and kind of makes me take a step back and go, hmm, that's weird. All right. So did yeah. you have a, did you have more quotes from him, uh, Agent ETA? Yeah, I got one more. Um, in, in, what we had kind of touched on also, like like there's a bunch of speeches from him that have very similar wording and, and ideals and stuff, you know. So uh, so I'll just like go ahead and um, say uh, this is one of like the speeches I remember like when it, like as soon as I hear you know New World Order like like this speech always like pops up in my head right because like how forceful he said it and the tone in which he, s he says his words is actually kind of uh, surprising, you know? So, I, I, all right, so in a speech in 1991, he said, we have an opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the rule of the jungle, there's that quote again, you know, like he uses certain phrases often, right, in, mm -hmm. in speeches when he's talking about uh, these kind of uh, topics. So, uh, yeah, the rule of law, not the rule of the jungle, uh, governs the conduct of nations when we are successful and we will be. And that's one of those things that really kind of always saw, uh, like sat, sat with me as like uh, really kind of creepy the way he said it, like when we are successful and we will be, you know, we have a real chance at this new world order. I mean, he, he goes on further than that, but I think that's like, you know, that's, you know, a good little snippet of the, uh, you know, of the speech, you know, and it's, uh, it's, I don't know, to me, it's like, uh, the, like I said, the way he said it and like, like the, the confidence in which he said it is like, oh crap. Like they're, this plan is already in place, you know, like it, it's, it's already being, you know, uh, conducted, you know? So it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh, that one always like, like stood out to me as being a little bit creepy, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, it's interesting at the very least. It's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Help! I'm being attacked by doggies. Yeah, they were they were both attacking me earlier, and now they're over. Is there, there's a cryptid attack in progress. They're yeah, step my key. Now they're over at ancient ancient. I mean, at agent ether. Yeah, I have some quotes too. Did you get? Did you see the one from um, FDR? Had a little quote in his. Yeah, I saw. I, I saw that one. I didn't take notes on it because I thought he was, in my opinion, what he said. And I'll I'll let you say it, but uh, I. I Thought that he was kind of, I mean, just talking about the future, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if I'm thinking about the same one as you are, but. Well, there's, so he talked about in the Armistice Day, Armistice Day address before the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier on November 11th, 1940, he referred to Novus Ordo Seclorum. And the reason I found that interesting is because along these conspiracies, you do run into certain times when they reference like Ro uh, ancient Rome and like Latin. And it's kind of strange. Like for example, we have Latin on our currency right, or on our seal. Yeah. Why would they put that in Latin? Why not English? It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know what that means, but um, that's what caught my attention on this one. Anyways. So we referred to Novus Ordo Seclorum inscribed on the great Freemans. seal of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and traced to antiquity by this phrase Virgil announced the Augustan golden age so here we have this theme right it's a new age or a new world order that age was the dawn of the divine universal monarchy 
But Roosevelt on that occasion promised to take the world order into the opposite democratic direction led by the United States and Britain. But of course, democracy is fairly easy to manipulate if you're, you know, if you're doing it right. But that one, Mm. he didn't say new world order, but there were some very similar themes there. And that's why that one caught my attention. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because the cream always rises to the top. Are you going to talk about the recent Biden speech? I was going to do that later, but I was going to see if uh, ETA had a couple more things he wanted to throw in there. I mean, that was the majority of the quotes and stuff that I I wrote down, like, uh, I mean, like most of my other notes uh, we've already talked about, you know, so. All right. Then I got another one. you guys got? From actually JFK Jr., the Day of Affirmation Address from June 6, 1966. So what, what month is June? January, February, March, April, May, June. It's six, the sixth one. And it was the 6th of June? Okay. 6666. That's oh, four shit. sixes. Well, it's it's a lot yeah, of sixes. But there's also you got to get to three sixes before you get to four, so it's there, you know. Yeah. Okay. If, and if you turn the 9 upside down and make another 6, then that's um more sixes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, which is even more evil. Yeah. He had an excerpt from this speech is that I found pretty interesting is that um it is a revolution. Wait, it is a revolutionary world that we all live in. I can't do a JFK. That was not too bad. Yeah, it was <laughs> close. I'd have to work on it. It is a revolutionary world that we all live in. And thus, as I have said in Latin America and in Asia and in Europe and in my own country, the United States, it is the young people who must take the lead. Thus, you and your young compatriots everywhere have had thrust upon you a greater burden of responsibility than any generation that has ever lived. There is, said an Italian philosopher, nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the in the introduction of a new order of things. Yet this is the measure of the task of your generation, and the road is strewn with many dangers. So I don't know if that's relevant or not, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And it has some, you know, some similar themes trying to include, you know, multiple nations. It's not us against them. Mm-hmm. It's let's all band together type of a thing and trying to yes. rope in the youth into it, you know? Ich bin ein Balena. Yeah. What is it doing? <laughs> all right. Now, for the, it continues. For the fortunate among us, the fourth danger, my friends, is the comfort, the temptation to follow the easy and familiar paths of personal ambition and financial success so grandly spread before those who have the privilege of education. But that is not the road history has marked us, marked out for us. There is a Chinese curse which says, may he live in interesting times. Like it or not, we live in interesting times. They are times of danger and uncertainty, <laughs> but they are also the most creative of any time in the history of mankind. And everyone here will ultimately be judged, will ultimately judge himself on the effort he has contributed to building a new world society and the extent to which his ideals and goals have shaped that effort. So, I mean, he's basically talking about the same thing, you know? He doesn't call it New World Order, but he's that's very similar to me anyways, mm-hmm. it sounds like. 
All right. So before I keep doing more presidential and other quotes, would you like to hit us hit us with some modern stuff, Agent Ether? All right. Sure. Okay. So things have changed specifically, not just since COVID, but since the Great Recession mm-hmm. in 2008. So there's this idea that the government wants to do the Great Reset. Have you heard this term? Oh, yeah. The Great Reset. So the idea that we're going to dismantle capitalism and enforce social change through economic deregulation and the formation of a central global government. And you've actually heard in politics the term uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution. And it's an idea that technologically we're going to be able to make these changes to create a new world order, a new agenda, essentially. Buddy. In June 2020, Mm -hmm. the World Economic Forum, or WEF, called for fair outcomes regarding global investment and government spending because of how catastrophic the pandemic was economically throughout the world. And of course, if you couple this with the idea of forced vaccinations and digital ID cards, an agenda to solve overpopulation, then it becomes a little more sinister. Well, we actually have all those things, right? Right. We right. have essentially, mm-hmm. we have, it's, we're starting to, um, there's been a lot of pushback and they're walking it back, but there was essentially forced vaccinations in a lot of areas. We have these new digital cards that everybody's supposed to get. And we have, you know, what was your, what was the other one? Uh, an agenda to solve overpopulation. Yeah, and we also talked about that. We did a whole episode about that. We did. That's right. Yeah, we did. Uh, and, and it's an economic group. It's not the UN. It's not the World Health Organization. It's an economic group calling for changes in government spending. And so you have this situation where instead of serving shareholders, corporations are going to bring together the government and the private sector and civil society. So this this partnership that's happening, you know, is global. Our economy is global. It doesn't just exist in America or in China, right? We have this, we're, we're tied together globally. <sighs> <laughs> oh, come on. He's so cute. Uh, sorry, the dog. Um, and you have these huge corporations, and they're basically monopolies. If you look at pharmaceuticals, big names, Amazon, Google, and of course, oh, yeah. there's Saudi oil. And it's just this big buddy-buddy system for the rich, the 1% of the 1%. Yeah, it's it's a... Definitely a club, a ex- very exclusive club. Now, the UN actually signed a strategic partnership agreement with the WEF, with the World <coughs> Economic Forum, in 2019 in order to come up with this public-private partnership globally under the guise of food and medical distribution. Hmm. So they were saying, you know, we need mm. to, <laughs> instead of deregulation or the control by, let's say, the World Health Organization for food and medical distribution, we're going to partner with corporations, with big corporations, and give them control. Right, like Monsanto. Um, So, so yeah, you just, you have this idea that, that corporations are no longer serving their shareholders, that they exist, in fact, for an entirely different reason, for an entirely different different 
purpose. Right. So that's that. Is that uh, the only modern conspiracy? You no, have? no. Because <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I find that very believable and compelling. No, there's also uh, well, there's not a global conspiracy, but there is this idea out there that the Ukraine war is a test, a test of the new world order. Eventually, there's going to be, if if population control works the way the world order wants it to, there's going to be the golden billion on the planet. People have passed the test. People who have conformed, it's going to happen in stages. And one such test is, in fact, Ukraine. Putin was quoted as saying that the, <clears throat> hold on. That the neo-colonial world system has ceased to exist and the multipolar world order is being strengthened. So now we have this language from Putin as well, talking about a new world order. And there are a lot of conspiracies and misinformation running throughout Russia um, that the war is perpetuated by Western media and governments, but there sure is a lot of misinformation over here as well. Well, for example, yeah. a big thing in the news recently was um, that uh, apparently there was an attempted coup from that that uh, military contractor or the mercenary force. That, yes, yes. But then other people were posting, look, here's a picture of, I forget the guy's name, but here's a picture of him hanging out with Putin like a week later after the supposed coup. So something's not lining up. You know, if that picture is genuine, either that was staged, either it was just Western propaganda or I don't know, something's going on there. Cause anybody who attempts a coup with Putin, they're dead. If the, if the coup yeah, fails, there's not a chance. Yeah, you're, that now, they, yeah. You're, you're now a mortal enemy. I would have to imagine. Right. And there's not a chance that they're going to get any sort of leniency whatsoever from a guy like Putin. He's pretty no. ruthless. Yeah. So yeah, like you're saying, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world for sure. Now, the Ukrainian prime minister was quoted as saying, we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic companies. Weird. Weird. Huh. Now, Vladimir Zelensky, who, man, that guy has some balls on him, was democratically elected in 2019, may actually be a puppet to protect the NWO interests, and Putin holds the noble mission to stop him. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, no, this you know. is this is propaganda coming from Russia. Right. You know, they had to invade Ukraine to stop US run biolabs. Hmm. So that's just an idea. Yeah. That's out there. If you live in Russia, you might have seen it. Hmm. That's all. Um, and then some people in America think Ukraine, the Ukraine war is just another false flag and distraction from real issues, real issues that exist. Well, I think that that checks out for sure. And think of it this way. The people in power. All right. Have fun, Agent Redacted. He's going on a jug. The people in power, I don't think they really care that much because the people who are doing the actual fighting and dying, those are by and large people that come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Those people don't tend to be from the elite. They're not from the top 1% of the 1%, right? So it's almost like they can send these people off to die and there's nothing but there's, you know, there's benefit because it helps us to keep our, you know, our machines oiled, helps us to keep our production lines going. 
And there's, from their perspective, they don't seem to care if all these people die in war. You know, like the President Bush speech, he said they're toiling in the sand or whatever he said. He didn't say they're dying horribly by stepping on landmines or getting Gulf Syndrome or whatever, whatever it is. I just get the sense that they don't give a crap, you know, about how many lives are expended as long as they achieve their goals. And finally, I have, uh, you, we sort of talked about COVID, this idea of a pandemic that the government uh, is purposely trying to control the population, maybe as a test, maybe to reduce population. There was a UN initiative called COVAX to accelerate the use and development of COVID vaccinations. And the idea was to guarantee fair and equitable access for every country in the world. Mm-hmm. But was that really the goal? That's the that's the question. Right. What would the real goal to be if that wasn't? Population control. Oh, yeah. It's always about population right, control. Right. Now, I'm not buying mm-hmm. this. This is just what I found that people believe kind of some different ideas that are out there um, in, 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 you know, in Russia, in England, I guess in, in Poland, like across the world, different people believe different things. And there seems to be patterns actually among countries. And like a, a certain country will be more inclined to believe a specific conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And we're in the United States. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is, you know, related to our government, the United States government. Right. But if you go somewhere else in the world globally, they have their their own political system and there do exist the same kinds of ideas, the same kinds of things we've been talking about Um same kind of language among their politicians, especially in democratic countries. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Very. Are those your modern theories, Agent Ether? Those are my modern theories. I have some thoughts too, but I wanted to save that for the end. Yeah, yeah. Save it for the end. I got some more good stuff coming up. Uh, Are you guys familiar with Harry Kissinger? Uh, Yeah. He's rich. (laughs) <laughs> no, he was a very, very important person for a very long time. We won't go into his, We should do a whole episode on him. He's a very interesting individual. But anyways, government dude, very powerful. Um, he has a quote that says, from 1994, he said, The new world order cannot happen without U.S. participation, as we are the most significant single component. Yes, there will be a new world order, and it will force the United States to change its perceptions. So the thing is, the U.S. used to be, I think, more of a superpower than it is now. I think we have less political influence than we used to. So I feel like maybe in the past, we were actually closer to this idea of a new world order than we are today. We just don't have the same level of global cooperation. It could be, yeah. That could very well be. That is just my personal opinion. But that idea mirrors some other ideas, like from the Bush speech, saying that, you know, this has to be done by us. We got to do it. But even even that's that's far back enough to where the political climate has changed so much in, like, let's say the last 10 years. Right. We're a completely different America than we were 10 years ago. And I just don't think we have the clout that we once did. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I'm not sure. 
I think we still have a lot of allies. And I think that this whole topic we're talking about, it's not necessarily about politics so much as about a handful of powerful individuals influ- uh, asserting influence on governments, right? We didn't even talk about the Bilderberg Group, which I don't even know if that's related, but it seems like it should be. Um, I sent Ether a link about that earlier. She'd never heard of it, but we got to do a whole episode on that thing because it's weird. Well, oh, yeah. I, I'm not really big on these types of topics. So when I go and research them or look at things, it's usually for the first time. Hmm. So as far as the New World Order goes, like I'd heard of it, but all this other you know, information that I found that I'm thinking about, like that's all new. That's all new mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Well, okay. So I have a couple of other things and then we can wrap it up here. It's getting, we're getting a little late here. I'm not surprised. There's a lot of material. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it's, like it's, we've it's only- It's getting hot in my house too. We've Uh-oh. only barely scratched the surface, right? But one thing I wanted to talk about was the great seal of the United States. I mentioned it earlier. Now, this is the seal itself is kept by the Secretary of State, and it's used to authenticate certain government documents, like a seal, I guess, a stamp or something. I'm not sure exactly how that works. There ha- there's two sides to the seal, and both sides of the seal appear on our currency. One side of the seal has the eagle with a bunch of 13 arrows in one hand and an olive branch in the other. That's, um, that's pretty familiar. Most people are familiar with that, I'm sure at least in the States, I'm sure they are. And it's holding a ribbon in its beak. And on the ribbon, it says E pluribus unum. That's Latin for out of many, one. And the obvious interpretation is that, you know, out of 13 colonies, you get one nation because it's got 13 arrows. It's sort of talking about that, right? There's a ton more symbolism on the front of this thing, which we don't have time to get into. So let's not worry about that too much. But let's talk about the back which is even more interesting. So it has, you know, first of all, like I said earlier, catches my attention that there's like Roman numerals, there's Latin, and there's stuff like that that um, is sort of curious because when we came over here, when we became a nation or when we were trying to do so, we actually changed... Yeah, screw you, England. We actually changed the English language to be (laughs) different from England. So we wanted to be new. We didn't want to have throwbacks to older countries So why use Roman stuff and Roman references? It doesn't make any sense. And the reason I know that, by the way, is because once I Googled, why do we spell color differently than England? It doesn't make any sense. I guess we made that change intentionally to differentiate ourselves. But, you know, it's C-O-L-O-R versus versus C-O-L-O-U-R. I'm just going to use the English version now from England. It looks cooler anyways. I guess. It's harder to spell because it has one extra letter. But anyways, the back of the seal, it's also on the cur- our currency, on the back of your currency. It has an unfinished pyramid, and at the top is the Eye of Providence, which is an eye in a triangle, and it kind of looks like another pyramid floating above, and it's got like light coming out of it and stuff. The lower pyramid has 13 layers for the 13 original colonies. And let's not get started on the possible symbolism here of, you know, just what I've said, we could go on for a whole episode just on the symbolism. Now there. I have that song stuck in my head about the 13 original colonies. 13 original colonies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Roman numerals at the base of the pyramid are, they, the, they add up to 1776, the year of the Decla- Declaration of Independence. On the backside of, this, of the seal, there are two texts. On top, it says, 
anwit sepsis, and that means the eye of providence has approved our undertakings. And underneath it says novus ordo seclorum, or a new order of the ages. Kind of weird. Dun. And mm. the the eye of providence, or the all-seeing eye of God, is supposed to symbolize the divine eye of God watching over humanity. But guess who else also uses this symbol an awful lot? Uh, is it the Freemason? It's the Freemason. Okay, I thought it might be. <laughs> yeah. And guess who, I guess there was a bunch of people in charge of coming up with these symbols. Not all of them were Freemasons, but some of them were. And I guess back then we're not 100% sure who was and was not a Freemason. We know for a fact that certain people were, but we don't know exactly who all of them were. So it's, you know, it's up in the air, I suppose. But it's still really kind of weird. Well, I want to speak to the Latin, though, because... You know, it used to be that the wealthy were tutored in mm. Latin and Greek. Okay, so if, in the United States? Everywhere. Okay. Like, if you were wealthy, you spoke Latin and mm. Greek, and you studied it in school. So it, it doesn't surprise me, because that seems like kind of an elitism sort of thing. It could be, yeah. I don't know. That's but, just my interpretation. But our whole shtick back then was, you know, by the people for the people. Yeah, but for a very exclusive yeah. club of people, <laughs> right? We're anti-elitist so long as you're not, you know, not white or a woman. Or, right, you have to own land, too, yeah, right? Yeah, land you have to own land. So yeah, basically, yeah. you had to be wealthy, which means yeah. you probably spoke Latin. Okay, that's an interesting idea. I wasn't aware of that. But that we could go on about like the Freemason symbology and stuff like that. Uh, we already talked about that a little bit. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was kind of a weird symbolism. And it's often discussed in in uh, the whole NWO discussion. You know, why would they put symbols like that on our currency? And why would it be our nation's seal? Well, I mean, we can we can speculate on that. But again, it might be just a symbol that a small group of very powerful elite are exerting their influence and they want us to know about that, even if it is only subconsciously. All right, let me skip a little bit here. Um, You know, more about the seal. I'm just going to go ahead and skip that. Edit, edit, edit. And, oh, here we go. Biden. We got to Biden. Ah, finally, yes. Now, I guess this was just last Monday while Biden was addressing a business roundtable, including higher-ups from GM, Amazon, and Apple, among others. It it didn't say exactly, the article I saw was not exactly, didn't say who it was. Um, I probably could have found out more about that if I muckety, had time. Mucks. But there's so much to look into here that I didn't have time to really dive into any one of these individual topics, many of which could sustain a whole episode in and of themselves. But for here's what he said. Um, let's see. Uh, He said, we are at an inflection point in the world economy. Not just the economy, but the world. Occurs every three or four generations. An inflection point that occurs every three or four generations. That's kind of interesting. And specific. Yeah. As one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And since then, we've established a liberal world order. And that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. 
There's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So that's pretty interesting. Man, people had a field day with this one. Um, Across social media, I read there were just so many people discussing it. You got hashtag New World Order, NWO. Right. People are still going apeshit over this as we speak, right? (laughs) And it has a lot of similarities with some of the other stuff we've talked about. And what I find surprising about this is that, okay, so first of all, a lot of politicians don't necessarily write their own speeches and you can, it's almost certain that Biden doesn't write his own speeches. You know, he could barely say the speeches at this point, which is, it's kind of sad. I'm not trying to make fun of him or, you know, whatever, but just, you know, he's, he's slurred. I've watched the video and I actually transcribed this myself because I couldn't find a good transcription, but, um, it, I had to play it many times to understand some of the words because he kind of slurs and stuff a little bit of what he's saying. Did, but did he also start talking about corn pop and how bad of a dude he was? <laughs> no, I didn't watch that far into the video. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> um, there's again, you, you have these very similar themes where um, they're talking about you know people coming together. Uh, you know, and then he has some like a lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. I'm not sure what he meant there. But, you know, we're in a, a crucial time, you know, just like they've said in other, other things that we've talked about, there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. That's what, you know, a lot of the, the, the presidents that I've talked about are saying, we have to be the leaders in this and we've got to re- unite the rest of the free world in doing it. I mean, it's just very similar. And the thing I find most surprising about this is that they put the term new world order in there at all. And you would think they wouldn't. Because you could say in the 19, early 1900s, in 1918 or whatever it was, that might not have meant the same thing as it does now. But nowadays, they had to have known that if they put that in the speech, that people are going to go apeshit about it. I mean, every, I feel like most people, even if they're into this topics or not, most people are going to be familiar with Bush's speech. That's a pretty big deal. A lot of people are familiar with that. I mean, there's people made songs about it. Like, what is it? Um, you know, that there was, that, I think it was ministry did a song called NWO. Uh, I don't know it's, it's out there in the pop culture. People are aware of it. So I find it very surprising that they would use that specific term. They didn't have to say new world order. They could have phrased that in any number millions of ways. They could have phrased that without saying new world order. They put that in there for a reason. They've specifically said that whoever wrote this speech said new world order for a reason. What that is, I don't know. All right. That's pretty much all I have as far as, you know, specific quotes and notes and things. Why don't we get to our final thoughts? I guess you had something, Agent Ether, you wanted to throw at us. Well, you know, I was just thinking about this in general after I took all my notes and I was thinking how we have eight billion people on our planet the global economy has to support through things like food production and between the 2008 recession and covid we discovered we have a lot of supply chain issues now i'm not saying that corporate greed isn't responsible for inflation because it is not consumer (laughs) demand right but i am saying we had shortages during covid you know, and, and not just because people were running on toilet paper. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going into the stores and there's not enough medicine. 
Yeah. For example. Well, I just I just thought it was absolutely hilarious, by the way. You go to the grocery store, all the teepee's gone, but the food is still there. Yes, that was funny. Like, the food was still what there. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> I mean, who cares if you have a poopy butthole if you're starving to death? It's ridiculous. I just know I would go to the store oh. for specific items and I would be told we don't have it. Right. We don't have that. So, but I'd like to think that government the wealthy corporations want this magical utopian society where goods and services are spread equitably around the world. But I just don't believe it because we've seen firsthand that it's all about money. It's all about profit. You know, there's so many hands in this pie for a new world order. And I think most of them are most concerned with making money. If you look at PG&E, for example, our electric company in California, they keep raising prices, but their profits are up like 25%. Right. All these companies, food is out of control, and they're all making record profits. Because they can. Because they can. It's everything nowadays is um, a lot of this stuff acts like essentially like a monopoly or an oligopoly where they can fix prices for everything. And if you had a piggy bank where you or a golden goose that laid the golden egg, you'd keep collecting those eggs. Well, I can raise prices 10% because I can, because I'm the only supplier, so I can do whatever the hell I want, you know? There, there are a lot of threads when it comes to the idea of a new world order. It has been mentioned a lot in politics. So the real question is, What do our politicians actually mean? And they will deny, and there are skeptics who argue, you know, each of these points, and they point out why it's not true, why there isn't a conspiracy, why specific things aren't factual. But when it comes down to it, like you said, that language is being used, and you have to ask why. And it's been used for a very long long time. time. Yeah. A very specific language. So yeah. that that was my that was my final thought. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. Um, I can't disagree with that necessarily, and I, I actually I tend to agree with that. You know, it makes a lot of sense, and it's all about the power. And if you just just think about it, once I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about um, the the farmers in Central California could not find enough people to pick the fruit, and the fruit was just rotting on the vines, right? So I did a little looking because I'm like, all right, sure. You can't find enough workers. Uh Uh-huh. We live in a state of, you know, 30 million people and you can't find enough people to pick some fruit. So I looked into it. It turns out that a lot of these uh, farms, they're owned by corporations and they, um, they pay people not by the hour, but by the basket. And by basket, I don't mean, you know, the dinky little Easter basket you got. I mean like a basket that's probably four feet in diameter and three feet high. If the workers can fill up that basket, they get a few dollars or whatever. So I looked it up and on average at the time, and I doubt it's very much different now, um, at the time, the workers made something like, I don't know, $15,000 a year each. Right. And that's hard work. And this, Hard work. This was, let's say it was about 2010 or whatever. This was not that long ago. It was a while ago, but it's not that long ago. 2010, 2015, who knows? And 15000 
for full-time plus for back-breaking labor, that's nothing. No wonder they can't find anybody to pick their fruit, right? And I looked a little further, and it turns out that for most things, the labor costs are about 1% of the total. So if you're telling me, I go and buy a bag of oranges, if I go to the grocery store, a bag of oranges, of navel oranges, is going to be like eight bucks where I live, right? So if you just tacked on an extra dime, charge me an extra 10 cents, then you could double what these people are earning and you could pay them a much more comfortable wage. Why not? It's just a dime out of $8. That's nothing. I wouldn't even notice that on my grocery bill, to be honest. So why don't they do that? Well, if they did do that, they would pocket it. It's never going to go back. To, there's no trickle down. Right. And But why not? It's an insignificant amount of money for me. And I'm not rich, you know? So why can't they do that? Well, you know why. It's not about the money. It's about the power. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Because the people who pick these fruits, they're, I, I think that by the employers, I think they're seen as subhuman, right? Just the same. These are the same sorts of people who might've owned slaves back in the day. They don't have enough money for their own housing. So they live in group housing. They live basically in a bunch, you know, a group, uh, open room with a bunch of bunk beds. You know, they live in absolute poverty. They don't have rights. They can't go on strike. They don't get education. They don't have medical care. They're essentially modern day slaves. They get a little bit of money. They don't have to be there. So they're technically not slaves, but you know what? It still doesn't feel that good knowing that this is going on in this country, which is supposed to be the home of the free. So I think that, you know, when you're talking about finances and stuff, I think it's more than just money. I think there's people out there that no matter what, they don't want other people to have resources. They want to have more than other people. Right. So this whole idea about sharing, about corporations sharing it's resources, bullshit. I just don't buy it. And yeah. since that seems to be a theme when the government talks about a new world order, it makes me question what they're talking about. Right. Like I was saying when I was talking about 9-11, they're saying, just give away a little bit of your personal freedoms. It's for your own good, right? That's how they're selling it. It's for your own good. You know, trust us. We'll take care of you, right? And that's why so many people think that this new world order is a real thing and that they want to enslave the population, right? Right. Like I said at the very beginning, that's, I don't know, but the problem with this conspiracy theory is that there's no, like I said earlier, there's no throughput. Like these, you can't really line it up and knock it down. It's not well-defined. It's not easy to define. You can't point your finger and say, these are the major players. This is the timeline and this is how it happened, you know? Well, some people do though. There are websites where they are dedicated to one of these specific Topics like end of times where they do outline a timeline, mm -hmm. but that's very specific, right? Yeah. That would be somebody who's fundamentalist and Christian. That's who it would apply to. Yeah, so you kind of have these yeah. small subsets of culture, these small populations who will you know, apply the idea of a, a new world order in a very specific way. Whereas the rest of the population believes something different. Right. Yeah. And it's, I'm not just talking about like, like people with money, people who are rich. I'm talking about like the global elite, you know, the people right. calling the shots. So it's just, it's strange to me that, um, 
no matter how much they accumulate, you know, like uh, Bill Gates, your Bill Gates's, or you know, your your Steve Jobs, or uh, people like that who accumulate, you know, Jeff Bezos, all the money in the world, they never stop accumulating because it's not about the money; it's about the power. You know, these people get so rich that they couldn't possibly spend all their money. Their grandchildren and their their great great grandchildren, whatever. It's generational. You know, it's just weird. It's a very strange thing. It's hard for me to understand it. ETA, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm right on line with, with with you guys. You know, my opinion of uh, this conspiracy theory is that people do conspire, especially people at the top who have an opportunity to gain more control, gain more wealth. And so, why wouldn't they? It's just like it's just like the the same notion as like you know, uh, in sports with people using like steroids or performance enhancing anything. You know, of course they will if they have a chance to get a, you know, an edge on somebody else, uh, of course they're going to, they're competitors, you know? Are you talking about John Jones? Oh, sure. He's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, wait, yeah, we'll I mean, wait for the after hours for that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be in the after hours. Yeah. Man. He I'm said like, it's I'm, hot. I'm, I heard I'm sweating bullets my, right now. Uh, house. It's 111 degrees outside have, right now. I have a colleague. Fast. I have a colleague who lives in Phoenix. She said it was 120 when she walked to her car and the pavement was kind of shining the heat back up. And she said it when you took into account the fact that there was the asphalt or whatever, it was 130 degrees. She said she was having Dang. trouble breathing. All right. Well, I guess yeah. in light of that, I guess maybe we'll wrap it up and yeah. we'll hit we'll hit up an after hours next time. So that You want to e- give a shout out to our live audience? So ETA doesn't uh, die of dehydration die. over there. ETA. All right. Yeah. Live audience this time, we got Donut Slayer, Titanium Over, dot, dot, dot. King Chattison. Tyranno Squatch, super, oh, a new listener this week, uh, Super CKR, Super CKR, Super Chicker, I'm guessing, I don't know, and Ozzy Meemaw, thank you guys so much for showing up to the live show, and we got, um, so I'm hoping to do a video format, I keep saying this, but we're getting closer to that, I just need to get Agent Redacted to make me a logo. He's uh, he's working on that, so we'll see. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Keep it strange. <laughs>